all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Follow us Insta Twitter for now. Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. And if you hear this on November 14th, join our gift exchange. Last day to do it. Last Email day. us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Do all of those things yes. and participate in all yes. those things. Yes. If you would like to. Yes, exactly. But yes, um, so speaking of Twitter, <laughs> if uh, you're no longer receiving tweets from, I think, I don't, was it David St. Louis 14, I think was my handle? No, that's your handle now. No, my handle now is David O. St. Louis. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, if you haven't seen tweets from me, it's because my account was permanently, permanently suspended. suspended. <laughs> and I accidentally made like a, a new one. Like a month or two ago, because oh, okay. for some reason I got locked out of it and I had to put in my password. Okay. But I didn't realize I was starting a new account. Oh. Anyway. Okay, so you have like three of them floating out around there, but one is no. permanently suspended. No, I have two. Oh. Um, oh, okay. So if you see like a like a like or a follow from David or St. Louis, it's still it's still me. <laughs> ah, well, I have managed to not get us suspended, but then again, I didn't call anyone a dumb bitch. So there's that is that. true, and I did do that to somebody who was worthy of being called that. It's a little no. not when you're not when you use the b word to not, a lady. Not when you're a fascist. I'm sorry. I'll just call them a stupid person. Whatever. No, no need, no, no yeah. need to genderize and be derogatory. Anyway, <laughs> in my opinion, she deserved to be called that, especially I, I, from especially for what she tweeted out. But anyway, I saw something on Twitter that people are t- saying that Elon Musk is going to put the whole thing behind a paywall. I uh, so, who knows <laughs> the, the the whole here's what here's mm-hmm. what is certain mm-hmm. in my eyes, the whole thing is a disaster from the get go. Sure, like how can you come in? Yeah, buy it. Of disasters. Right. <laughs> we'll cover this one day. Right, buy it. Uh-huh. Without thinking of a way, like ahead of time, of how to make money off of it. Right. That's that's red flag number one. I mean, I thought ads were the way Twitter makes but money. It doesn't make enough. He oh. bought it for forty four billion. Oh, he way overpaid. Oh, way what? overpaid because he's, he's, a, he's a fucking stupid. idiot. Because we yeah. know, we now know that he's yeah. Well, now know. Now We've known forever. Now we know he has an image that has been crafted for him mm-hmm. for twenty years. You know. Rudy Giuliani, at one point in time, mm-hmm. in in our memories, mm-hmm. was America's mayor and like the smartest guy, and yeah, didn't take long for that veneer to come off. No. So, <laughs> but if you can, yeah. but if you have enough people behind you to mm-hmm. control an image, then that's true. That's what you'll get. Mm-hmm. So unless you do something so fucking stupid, <laughs> there's no way to control it. Well, when. You spend the money, you spend the money, and there's no way to unspend the money once oh, you sign the papers. Because he has, yeah, there is no way. So I predict, yeah. I mean, it's going to be, an, it already is an absolute failure, mm-hmm. and he's going to sell it as soon as possible, mm-hmm. even if he has to take a huge loss. Yeah. Um, I saw somebody refer to him as elongated muskrat. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. <laughs> they are now banned. 
right. They're, no, they're, it's okay. They're shadow banned. No, it's okay. It said um, parody account. So. Oh, that's right. I have thought of starting a parody account. Mm-hmm. I'll let anybody know. But, I mean, it takes time to do all that shit, and I don't yes. feel like doing it for the most part. Yes. You know. Anyway. So that is... Uh, that <laughs> that's is, all bad Twitter corn. Yes, yeah, so that is the state of Twitter. But yeah, that could be... Uh, like, if somebody did an all bad things, but from, like, a financial perspective, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Somebody probably yeah. does. Mm-hmm. That's that's an easy story. <laughs> Man, I think there are more financial disasters than natural ones out there. It's quite a few. Um, speaking of natural disasters, as we are recording this, we're recording this on, like, the Tuesday before, almost a week before. Hey, stop that! It's not time to eat! Does he maybe have to go to the bathroom? He might have to use the yeah, they were whinging. Okay. I think they're just being whingy. Okay. That's my guess. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> that's all cat talk. Um, there is a subtropical storm expected to become a tropical storm and potentially a hurricane headed for Florida. Um, and uh, then kind of headed up the eastern seaboard at that point, pretty much just like bringing rain and stuff. But uh, very well could throw off my Veterans Day plans of flying to Miami to visit my grandfather. So we'll see how all that goes. Fun, fun, fun. We shall see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Demetrius. Demetrius says, is, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Disasters. Speaking of disasters. Mm, what what, our... <laughs> what doth we in store for today? Our listeners are keeping us afloat. As usual. By telling us about ships that were not kept afloat. Ha ha ha. Get oh, it? Oh, I do. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> we have another installment from listener Nicole and faithful contributor. Uh, script contributor. Uh, I Please let me know if this sounds familiar because I was about to do a Steven script. Okay. And I was like, oh, Flixboro chemical plant. Oh, Nipro chemical plant. That's a good idea. And I'm like, wait, did we do this one? <laughs> and we did. Remember talking about Nipro, the ni- yes, nylon? Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I was trying. Yes, we did. <laughs> so if this starts sounding familiar, let me know because then clearly I, we've already done it. I could not find it on our list. Okay. I've already done it. <laughs> uh, so this is the story of the sinking of the Daniel J. Morrell. I hope it's Morrell and not Morrell, but I do How's it spelled? know. M-O-R-R-E-L-L. It's usually Morrell when it's Morrell, that's M-O. what I thought. Mm-hmm. Morrell is M-U. Yeah, I could see that. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. All right. So this is an intro note from Nicole. Hello, Rachel and David. Stop the presses. I am finally submitting a script that does not take place in Alaska. You can tell we have not done Nicole's scripts in order. (laughs) So, I've gone closer to home on this one. I'm a Michigander born and raised, and this one takes place on the Great Lakes, which I think Nicole offered or wrote a script for us before on the Great Lakes that we covered. I believe so. Mm -hmm. And it's actually related to the first episode of All Bad Things I Ever Listened To. The way I find new podcasts is I search something that I know a lot about already, find out what shows have covered it, listen to all of them, and if I like the show, I keep listening. Oh, nice. And a couple of years ago, that method got me here. 
On January 15th, 2018, this podcast released their episode on the Edmund Fitzgerald, the largest lake freighter to ever sink on the Great Lakes, as well as the most recent lake freighter to sink. 46 years now knocks on every wooden thing. I don't remember when the Edmund Fitzgerald was, but that could tell how long this script has been I mean, sitting that would have been guess. like in the... Uh, she, she said uh, January 19th? Uh, no, she said it, it's Sorry. 46 years old now. Oh, okay. So okay. let me see when the Edmund Fitzgerald... Da, 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 da. Oh, how about this? Hey, Siri? Hmm? When did the Edmund Fitzgerald sink? Let's see. Here's what I found from Britannica. November 10th, 1975. So it's actually 47 years now. Okay, yeah. Um, in just a couple days, right around this time. So, uh, The Edmund Fitzgerald is easily the most famous of the roughly 6,000 wrecks that lie on the bottom of the Great Lakes. The Fitzgerald, which sank in Lake Superior about 17 miles from safety in November of 1975. Okay, I could have just kept reading it. Didn't need to ask Siri and her rude, hmm. Mm-hmm. Had been followed throughout its voyage by the Arthur M. Anderson, which was the boat that initially called in to the Coast Guard to report that they had lost both visual and radio contact with the ship. This script is obviously not the story of the Edmund Fitzgerald. However, I am going to begin this script with the night the Fitzgerald sank. Okay. The following is a partial transcript of the call the Coast Guard made to the Anderson after the Anderson's repeated reports of worrying about the Fitzgerald. Most people's knowledge of the Edmund Fitzgerald is limited to the mostly accurate story Gordon Lightfoot tells in his song, but anyone who has dug deeper into the story has likely at some point read this transcript or heard the audio itself. Coast Guard. Anderson, this is Group Sue. What is your present position? Captain Bernie Cooper. We're down here, about two miles off Parisian Island right now. The wind is northwest 40 to 45 miles here in the bay. Coast Guard. Is it calming down at all, do you think? Cooper. In the bay it is, but I heard a couple of the salties talking up there, and they wish they hadn't gone out. That's salties. That's cute. (laughs) Um, Coast Guard. Do you think there is any possibility that you could come about and go back there and do any searching? Cooper. God, I don't know. That sea out there is tremendously large. If you want me to, I can, but I'm not going to be making any time. I'll be lucky to make two or three miles an hour going back out that way. Coast Guard. Well, you'll have to make a decision as to whether you will be hazarding your vessel or not, but you're probably one of the only vessels right now that can get to the scene. We're going to try to contact those saltwater vessels and see if they can't possibly come about and possibly come back. Things look pretty bad right now. It looks like the Fitzgerald may have split apart at the seams like the moral, moral, we decided moral, uh, did a few years back. Mm -hmm. Ah, so this is a predecessor. So this is the story of the sinking of the Daniel J. Morrill. History Corner. The SS Daniel J. Morrill was built in the early 20th century by the West Bay Shipbuilding Company, located in Bay City, Michigan. She was launched as the Daniel J. Morrill for the Cambria Steamship Company, located in Cleveland, Ohio, on August 22, 1906. Do you think that's where the Bay City Rollers are from? Bay City, I'm, I'm, Michigan? I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Maybe. Well I, always figured, well, I always figured San Francisco, but I guess I could mm. be wrong. <laughs> I mean, they could be from Bay Let City. us know. Yes. Let us know, Nicole. You're yeah. a Michigander. Yeah. 
Are, are the Bay City Rollers of the <laughs> of San Francisco Michigan? Bay, or are they Bay City Mission, <laughs> Michigan Rollers? <laughs> Bye-bye, baby, baby, goodbye. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y. Night. All right. Her namesake was Daniel Johnson Morrill, a Republican member of the U.S. House of Representatives from Pennsylvania who had died in 1885. At the time of her launch, the Morrill shared the title of Queen of the Lakes, or the longest ship of the Great Lakes, with her sister ship, the Edward Y. Townsend, who had launched four days before. These ships held the title for just over four months when they were dethroned by the William B. Carr, who at 605 feet 9 inches was 2 feet 9 inches longer. At the time, any steel ship over 600 feet was considered to be massive. I mean, I would still say (laughs) the ones that are smaller than that are massive. Right. Oh, I was going to say, like, I haven't been on many big ships, but I actually was on a cruise ship once. Never been on a cruise ship, but I grew up on the St. Lawrence River, which connected to all the great, all or most of them, most of them for sure, Mm. of the Great Lakes. So we we saw gigantic ships go up and down that thing all the time. On big ships, no, Mm -hmm. no. But I've seen plenty of them up close, and they're fucking. I mean, it's just. Oh yeah, I know. It's like it's like how can you build this? Uh Like it really like that's your first in a shipyard. Yeah, like it's a whole process. It's like how does how can people do this? Mm -hmm. And they. We've been mm-hmm. doing it as people for thousands of a thousand yes. years at least. Thousands. Hey, now Noah did it like four there you go. or five thousand years ago when God flooded the earth because that's that a was the real original thing. ship build. Yeah. <laughs> right there. The current and longest reigning queen is the Paul R. Trigurtha, who launched in nineteen eighty one at one thousand thirteen feet. Jeez. That's fucking Jesus. That's that's three football fields essentially. Yeah, yeah. The PRT, or Big Paul as she's known, is one of 13 boats on the Great Lakes at or exceeding 1,000 feet in length, known as the Thousand Footers. These ships were all launched between 1972 and 1981 and are all still in service. All of the ships mentioned here are known as Lakers, which are ships that do not go on the ocean. They haul taconite, limestone, gypsum, coal, and various other materials within the Great Excuse me, lakes. <laughs> the <laughs> and, great excuse me, lakes. <laughs> the great excuse me, lakes. The Great Lakes and or the St. Lawrence Seaway. Ah, yes. Vessels that are designed and equipped to cross oceans are known as salties when on the Great Lakes. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you know what the seaway is? The St. Lawrence Seaway? Yes. Is that just meaning that it, it's the part that uh, connects to the, the well, Atlantic Ocean? There's a... There, well, no. This connects to the Great Lakes. There's a lock system. Oh, the locks. Which, which changes the level of the We went to water. see the locks, yeah, right? we've driven yeah. past it. it you can't go it. right up to it anymore, no. which you used to be mm-hmm. able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, 9-11. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Thanks, 9-11. Thanks, W. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, basically what it does is it changes the level of the water so ships can get in and out with ease. Oh, okay. And it gotcha. was a massive project I'm in, sure. like, the mid-1950s. Uh-huh. So massive. That, in fact, uh, Richard Nixon, when he was vice president, uh-huh. came to little old Messina, New York. <laughs> That's right. To uh, dedicate <laughs> Inaugurate it. Inaugurate it. Yes. Like, or, uh, yes, when it was yeah. finished. Yeah, dedicate is probably the right Yeah, word. because it was a huge project involving mm-hmm. Canada, too. A big infrastructure project. So, an international project. project. Yeah. Yeah. We both have, um, like, kind of like childhood ties to seaways because... Yes, we do. I grew up near the Atlantic Ocean, mm-hmm. near, near the Atlantic Ocean, and... Uh, 
and Cuba. <laughs> no, actually, Key West is much closer. Um, and you grew up on the mighty St. Lawrence. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right, right along the Canadian border, eh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, according to Nicole, we're constantly speaking with northern accents, you know. <laughs> That was that was more of an Irish accent. No, in the in the very woodlands of like in the rural areas of like um, rural uh, Manitoba and shit. <laughs> I could be I could have just picked a province at random. Um, David, what's his name from the CBC? When he goes back to the backwoods, it's like near Scottish. Wow. Okay. How how thick the Canadian accents are? Yeah. Interesting. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So the Daniel J. Morrill's first captain was a man whose name has been lost to history. Oh, that's interesting. The first captain whose name has remained on record was P.L. Millen, who sailed her from 1908 to 1917, and so was the captain of the ship when it collided with the SS Henry Phipps in 1909. Oh, okay. Um... Uh, both ships survived this incident. The Henry Phipps remained in service until 1976. Bert M. Landfair, who sailed the Morrill. I keep wanting to say Morrill. No, I did. Morrill. <laughs> I'm thinking of the mushroom. Morrill from 1920 to 1931, <coughs> excuse me, was the captain for the longest time. In all, it is reported that the Morrill had 20 captains in her 60 years of service, with three of these individuals' names no longer known. In 1927, management of the Morrill changed to the Bethlehem Transportation Company, and her GRT, or gross registered tonnage, increased from 7,239 to 7,763. I know that's a huge difference, but, like, it's just giant numbers. (laughs) Either way. Yeah. Her sister ship, Edward Y. Townsend, was also transferred. The ships were not built by the same shipbuilding company as most sister ships are, but were considered sister ships due to them being under the same ownership and as they were virtually identical. The two typically hauled bulk cargoes like iron ore. In 1966, the two boats repeatedly hauled iron ore from Upper Michigan. That's, that would be mm-hmm. the Yupi? The uh, upper, upper Peninsula, yeah. right? Yeah, a Yuper. A Yuper. Uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota to New York. Uh, oh, so from Upper Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota to New York. Uh, Great Lakes. And vice versa, too. Yeah, probably. Well, no, I think the idea is that they were mined in those states and moved to New York. Uh, I guess. But, I don't know. Great Lakes carriers took over 85 million gross tons of ore to New York in 1966. That was <laughs> one year. The ore was needed to make steel to build... What do you think was built? 1966. What landmark was built in New York City in 1966, or thereabouts? That is no longer there. 1966. Uh, Things 9-11. Well, I was just... I guess they did start it that early, didn't they? Trade Center. I'm sure it took forever. Well, it wasn't finished until like 1973. That would make sense. Okay. I mean, well, this is literally they're shipping the ore Mm. to make the steel. So they don't even have the steel yet. So, yes, this would be a long process. I mean, a historian thinks they were shipping the ore. But what they were really shipping was inflammable ore material that they would later use. In that 9-11 conspiracy. Flammable ore material? That's what that's what some idiot right-winger would say at some point with this. Oh, okay. With this, it, was... It's not an actual thing you've heard from no. right-wingers? Oh, okay. No. I gotcha. <laughs> it does sound 
plausible, though. <laughs> yes, it does. But you can turn anything into a conspiracy. That's oh, what, yes. That's what I just did. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I've always wondered, there's a person who says they're Nicole, and right. they tweet, yeah. they show us pictures. Could be anybody. And they send us scripts. But what if? What if? It's Q. <laughs> yeah. That'd actually be kind of awesome. If Nicole was Q, <laughs> yeah. we'd be gangle. Like, yeah. we'd, 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 get, we'd get a book deal out of that for sure. <laughs> come on, Nicole, come <laughs> yeah, through yeah, for come us. Through. Be Q. Just be Q. <laughs> no, because I like Nicole. Yeah. I wouldn't like Q. Well, I wouldn't like Q Who either, but I, isn't I'll, take a book, real. I'll take a book deal to go along with it. Well, or is Q real but just knows nothing? Well, Q went away for a little bit because Donald Trump was supposed to get reelected, and that didn't happen. But is Q a prophet or I, something? We don't. Well, that's I think that's what they were trying to be, and that one pro- that one the main prophecy, the one that uh-huh. they, the one that they all wanted to come uh-huh. true did not. So much so that they uh, attacked. That'll batter your reputation a little. So much so that they attacked uh, Congress over it. My God. That's how upset they were. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for not being cute, Nicole. We believe you. Um, this is the Daniel J. Morrill four days before she sank. Mm, just, yeah, I've seen a million of those. The freighters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They all look like that, too. Yeah, yeah. They kind of yeah, do. But they're they? fucking gigantic. And, like, you can kind of even tell from this grainy photo, mm-hmm. like, they push the water like out yes. of, out of the way they displace one of the ways their weight is displaced tonnage yeah. right isn't that the idea and you can catch some awesome fucking uh jumps off those waves on a sea do we used to do it all the time <laughs> occasionally like no occasionally How are you alive i'm not sure <laughs> but uh but occasionally like when we would do that shit like the deckhands would be like on the sides like watching us and like clapping and shit it was kind of funny Clapping like, yes, <laughs> they, 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 die, we yeah, need fewer like, idiots they were, in they the were world. Like, they were like, he was like, I had 20 bucks on you, would live. <laughs> he was like, I want it. Because <laughs> that's probably what they were doing. That's like, what you would do now. Placing, yeah, placing bets. <laughs> if you were them now, yeah. you would do that. <laughs> it's not like we were doing it like close to the ship. It was, you know, it was close enough that they could see us. And the wave was still big enough that you'd get some really nice air off of it. You do realize that you don't need to be close to be in danger, right? Uh, well, I mean, yeah. You know now. Well, I mean, we knew at the time. We, we're we still alive. We knew what we were capable of. <laughs> none, of that, none of you died doing any of that shit. It no. is wild. <laughs> it is. It's maybe the closest proof to there being a god. It might be. But why would he save you? I'm not sure. <laughs> not even gonna think about it. <laughs> oh. But I, I highly suggest doing that. No. Yeah. Don't do that. Ignore him, everybody. Don't do that. It's dangerous. Don't go out on the water. It's dangerous. <laughs> Stay away from water. Stay home. Water is dangerous. But be then, careful then pe- of your home, too. Then people will leave. Well, you, like, she said water is dangerous, so I stopped drinking it. And then that's like a, <laughs> that's like a future lawsuit. Uh, All right. We've painted ourselves into a corner. Yes. Right. We'll just get sued no matter what. All right. So the final voyage. On November 29th, 1966, so the anniversary is coming up for this, I guess, the Daniel J. Morrill and Edward Y. Townsend left Buffalo, New York, and route, oh, speaking of Buffalo, how did did Buffalo do this past weekend? I mean, they lost. Am I any close? 
Did it did it make me closer or farther away from having to get rid of White Lightning? No, it made it the same because they're still the number one seed in the AFC. So it's the same. You're still going to have to get a new car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just don't don't even don't start. Like just I don't know. I mean, isn't Josh Allen out for a while now? Well, it, that's possible. So we'll see. Mm, I don't have a good feeling about it. No, me neither. So mm. we should probably just keep reading. <laughs> so it left Buffalo mm-hmm. of the once promising Buffalo Bills. <laughs> what do you mean once promising? <laughs> They're still the number one seed <laughs> after nine weeks. <laughs> My dad literally told me on Sunday, like, I'm sure you are, but be nice to David today. (laughs) Like, no, I rub it in all the time. (laughs) I was not really feeling it on Sunday. (laughs) You weren't feeling the good vibes. I was not. (laughs) So I left Buffalo, New York, en route to Taconite Harbor, Minnesota. While Gordon Lightfoot immortalized the, quote, gales of November in his song about the Edmund Fitzgerald, the lakes start to wake up or get angry in mid-September and the weather gets progressively worse and unpredictable as the years go on. As the year goes, as the year goes on. There we go. That's the words. <laughs> Too many S's in there that I added. Nowadays, the boats rarely stop sailing prior to the Sioux locks. There's mm-hmm. more locks where the eastern end of the Upper Peninsula meets Canada and where the ships transition between Lake Superior and Lake Huron, closing for yearly maintenance in January, but starting in October, boats will relatively frequently need to seek shelter or drop anchor to wait out high winds and waves. I would watch the shit out of, like, a drama series about um, boaters on the Great Lakes during... Probably a bunch of them. November. I mean, I know most of those shows take place on the ocean, but there's probably one on the Great Lakes. Not so. a reality show. I'm not talking. I'm like a drama. It seems uh, like a great uh, sure. backdrop for a drama. Hey, if you wanted to do a podcast that was specifically about uh, Great Lakes shipwrecks, there's six thousand episodes. You have six thousand episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Built in already. You're gonna get like ten more by the time you get to that. They 6, probably 000. get really repetitive. Yeah. Because just like the gales, the they sunk. The yeah. gales, they suck. The gales, yeah. they suck. I mean, there's, there, are, there are a lot of unmarked shoals oh, all yeah. over, like, mm-hmm. you know. So. Well, and we've already talked about how, like, Lake Superior is basically an ocean. And, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Uh, so in the case of the gale that sprung up on Lake Huron at the end of November 1966, winds over 70 miles per hour, again, hurricane force, or is it her? I don't have the the. Uh, it's close enough. Stafford Simpson scale. It's uncomfortable. Me, but we can anyway, have. it's about 112 kilometers. Yeah. We're generating 25 to 35 foot waves. That that's sucks. the scary part. That's scary as fuck. The Townsend chose to seek shelter, but the moral continued on through the storm, believing that open water would create safer conditions. Um. Okay. As stated on MLive.com, quote, the boat made of brittle early 20th century steel was no match, end quote, mm. for the conditions created by the gale. 
At approximately 2 a.m., the ship began to lurch so significantly that some of the crew jumped or fell into the water, Mm. which was determined to be about 44 degrees or 6.7 Celsius, with an air temperature of 34 degrees or 1.1 Celsius. I have to look up sometime. None of those people made it. Like, what the... What I know that temperature of water does not need to be nearly as cold as you think. Correct. To get hypothermia. I have been in water that was probably like in the high fifties. Mm-hmm. It's fucking cold. Like it's Does it just feel ice it's, cold. It's a yeah, like ice, e- ice but, baby. Yes. <laughs> even but even beyond that, like yeah. it's a like it's a cold. But I'm talking about when the air is like maybe 65 degrees. Yeah, like I'm that's talking, true. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. but to get in water that cold when the mm-hmm. air is that cold, that's mm-hmm. you're likely gonna die. Yeah, there are mornings when I get into the swimming pool that's like 84 degrees and it feels a little woo. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I can't even imagine. imagine it being 40 degrees. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> it must be like ice water. Just literally, just feel like ice water. Like you just. You just turned yourself into, like, an ice cube. Yeah. Like, this is what it feels like to fucking... (laughs) Well, when... You remember when I had um, the trigger finger that was really painful on my right hand? One of the things that helped... Oh, also those... All those mosquito bites? Just... Dug in your hand and... In ice water. Mm -hmm. It was so painful. Yep. But it... Distracted you from the other pain. It definitely helped with the mosquito bites, that's for sure. At 2.15 a.m., the ship's hull broke open, and the surviving crew ran to the bow to get into a life raft. They were unable to get the raft free and simply had to wait for the ship to come apart and fling the raft into the lake. A few minutes later, some crewmen shouted that a ship had been spotted approaching them from behind. This second ship disappeared into the darkness as the bow of the moral came to pieces, releasing the life raft. Jeez. The boat was reported missing approximately 36 hours after she sank. Oh, that's right. Around noon on November 30th, when she was overdue at Taconite Harbor. At first, it was believed the ship had not checked in due to losing her antenna, but the Sulaks reported that she had never made it to them either, and so had never moved from Lake Huron into Lake Superior. The Coast Guard issued a be on the lookout for the boat and sent several boats and aircraft to search for the moral. (laughs) Jeez, I can't even say it. About an hour later, a searcher spotted a body wearing a life jacket that Mm. had the moral's name on it. About four hours into the search and 40 hours after the sinking, a Coast Guard helicopter located the life raft aground on a shoal near Harbor Beach, Michigan. Okay. A searcher in the helicopter thought he noted a small, feeble wave from the raft, but was unsure if the movement was from the helicopter's rotor wash or if the wind was causing a corpse's hand to flop around. Yikes. Upon investigation, they discovered three dead bodies and who would turn out to be the Daniel J. Morrill's sole survivor, Dennis Hale. Wow. Jeez. Wow. Dennis Hale, born in 1940, so he was likely 26 at the time, had been working on the Morrill since 1964. His first impression of the boat was that it looked questionably seaworthy, but he trusted her then 58 years of service and the confidence of the crew, one of which had survived a shipwreck in 1958 aboard another vessel. 
Hale grew close with the, a man named Harvey, who he roomed with for several seasons. But while Hale confidently signed on again in 1966, Harvey did not return to the moral that year, as his wife and children were afraid of how old and ragged the ship looked. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they saved his life, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and Harvey had indicated to Hale that he no longer trusted the bo- boat. He reportedly seeking... <laughs> Words are having a hard time coming out of my mouth tonight. <laughs> He reported seeing leaking rivets in the ship's hull. And the only reason the ship had stayed afloat was the water was so cold that it had frozen, effectively plugging the leaks. Oh, God. (coughs) Harvey's daughter, who was five at the time, begged her father not to... Okay, so technical difficulties tonight. That's yawning. We're not, uh, the cats aren't the only ones thrown off by the time change. It's dark out. No, I'm like, ugh. It's even though it's only, it's not even like six, is it? No. Close to it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So five-year-old daughter begged her father not to go back, and he and his wife agreed he should find a permanent job on shore. Probably best yes. decision of his life. Yes. Well, yes. The, yes, definitely yes, do that. Do that. <clears throat> well done, five-year-old. The five-year-old who is now like. 61. Yeah. While the moral was in New York unloading her final 34th cargo of the 1966 season, Hale drove down to his home three hours away to drop off some luggage. God damn it. Okay. So. Sometimes when the yawns start, they don't stop. Yeah. And that's a problem. Is not a remark on your script, Nicole. <laughs> I apologize. As he would be going home for the winter after the moral had completed the estimated three-and-a-half-day journey from New York to Minnesota. Even today, Lakers rarely reach speeds of more than 15 miles per hour. I keep thinking of the L.A. Lakers. <laughs> Driving back to the dock. Do they have lakes in L.A.? Why are they called the Lakers? Well, they were originally in Minneapolis. Oh, And I gotcha. just, I don't think they ever changed the nickname. Well, Land they, of a thousand they, lakes. They, they 10,000 lakes. They didn't change the nickname, mm-hmm. obviously. So, yeah. I Okay. I think there are more tar pits than lakes in L.A. Yeah. Could be wrong. Driving back to the dock, Hale and the crewmate who was with him missed the boat. They drove to the Morals refueling point and reboarded so as not to break their contract and lose out on vacation pay and year-end bonuses. I completely yeah. understand that. Yeah. The crew gave him a hard time for missing the ship, joking that he had been running late because he had been in bed with his wife. Okay, whatever, losers. Uh, what is it with <laughs> whatever losers. What is it like with like young men gross well, I mean, and joke weirdly with each other? Well, it's also like somebody made the point. Uh, a comedian I was listening to today made the point like, like Elon Musk was supposed to buy Twitter like four months ago, mm-hmm. and then he like didn't like the deal and backed out. Mm-hmm. But because he had already made himself like I'm going to be this right wing free speech hero, mm-hmm. like it was already in his ego, so he couldn't step yeah. away from it. Mm-hmm. And now that he's in it. So yeah, what you're saying he was, is he has the mental age of an early 20s man. Oh, even <laughs> earlier than that. Like, a teenage like, boy. Like, yes, <laughs> yes. Like somebody was making the point, like, it's like, you know, when you when a group of guys get together and she oh was God. she was like, it's, she was like, it's 99% the all guys. The IQ points drop yes. of everybody in the room. She was like, it's a group of guys getting together being like, do it, do it. It's so and, fucking dumb. <laughs> that's, that's. This is why <laughs> women should be ruling in yep. power well, and not ru- men. Well, ruling is a that's a specific word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ruling. Yes. Do I find men useless? Generally, yes. <laughs> Your kind is quite, quite useless. Okay. Thank you. 
I love you, though. Yeah, that's, that's a very nice thing to say. <laughs> You're useless, but I love you. No. <laughs> While Hale, when Hale was transported from the Morals life raft to the Coast Guard helicopter on November 30th, Hale was wearing only a pea coat, boxer shorts, and a life jacket. Oh, my God. Well, hey, if it was... He had the life jacket. That was the key. Yeah. Yes, exactly. He could have been yes. completely naked just with the <laughs> yeah. life jacket, and that's the most important thing. He told the rescue rescuers that he had been woken from sleep by a loud thump. Yeah, oh, my Jesus. God. And he saw books falling from the shelves to the floor before the lights went out. At first, he thought the anchor was being dropped. But then he heard the emergency... Oh, oh my god! Okay. Why? It's yeah, like there's, Tuesday. There's so many shipwrecks. At six p.m. <laughs> and this is a very interesting. Story. It is. It is like six p.m. now. It's very close. I'm so sorry, Nicole. I feel like I'm doing such a horrible job. Um. He heard the emergency alarm and he threw on the pea coat and raced to the deck. It's a good thing he didn't sleep naked. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had initially... I mean, you probably, you probably don't, in case of things like this. Right? Like, in case yes. you've got to fucking get up and get going all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is what I always think about when deciding nightwear. In terms of, like, oh, what pajamas will I decide to buy, you know, and wear? If I have is... to run through the woods, the No, will if there's do. a fire, which is a lot more, con- <laughs> like, a lot more realistic, right? Yeah. If there was a fire in the middle of the night and we got woken up by a smoke alarm, had to go find the cats, shove them in their carriers and get out, because, yes, we have decided we would get the cats first. Oh, of course, yes. yes. Um, not everyone might make that decision. Oh, That's we, okay. We definitely it's will. our it's our decision. Um, imagine if I was trying to get Jesse completely naked, like that's just, that's just dumb. And then running outside with the creepy neighbor and everybody coming out and I want to be naked. Not that I'm wearing like a full formal outfit, but still. We're giving so much insight into our, our psyches. Yes. Hey, if we haven't done it by now. Five years in. This is episode 280, correct? Yes, it is. So, you've been warned 279 (laughs) times up to this point. Indeed, indeed. If you didn't like our mouth noises now, you know, by now, I don't know what to tell you. All right. Uh, He had initially been thrown into Lake Huron and struggled to find the raft while holding on to his life jacket as the force of the storm threatened to pull it off his body. Jeez. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, uh, like, crowd crushes mm-hmm. remove clothing right. from people, so my yep. God. Later, several life jackets were found with no men in them, leading to speculation that this may have happened to others. It just got ripped right off. Yeah. Hale saw the life raft bobbing in between waves and swam to it to find two of his crewmates, John J. Cleary Jr. and Arthur E. Stojak. A fourth man, Charles Fossbender, also joined them in the raft. The men fired off emergency flares and talked among themselves about their chances of getting home alive. Around 6 a.m., four hours after sinking, Cleary and Stojak died. Fossbender and and Hale chatted until about 2 p.m. when Fossbender grew quieter and he died two hours later, shortly after complaining that his lungs felt as if there was something in them. Mm. Hale said that the hardest part was not the cold, but sitting in the raft for another 24 hours with the three bodies. That's horrifying. Talk about permanent PTSD. You close your eyes and that's what you're going to see the rest of your life. That's horrible. 
Hale was a Catholic and repeatedly asked God why he had been left alone. Quote, I remember looking at John Cleary in front of me and seeing he was all encased in ice. Oh, God. I got angry and got up on my elbow and shook my fist at the sky and cussed God, asking him why he was making me suffer so much. End quote. Fair. Fair. In Do you believe moment. in God? That's a fair <laughs> thing in that moment. In that moment, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a... It's a question worth asking in that moment. But the presence of the other bodies helped protect Hale from the water and the wind. Mm. Yeah, of course, yeah. Hale was diligent about keeping his mind active so he wouldn't be as tempted to doze off. And that afternoon, he claims that he had a vision of an odd-looking woman who warned him not to eat the ice off his pea coat as it would lower his body temperature and he would die. Also, I imagine it'd be salt. Well, wait, is it salt water? No, the lakes no. aren't salt water. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, like an ocean, but freshwater. Yeah. Okay. In his book, Shipwrecked, Reflections of the Soul Survivor, published in 2010. Ooh, that'd be oh, interesting. Okay. Hale describes the various visions he had of his dead friends while awaiting rescue, including what he believes was an afterlife experience, where his crewmates welcomed him before realizing that it was not his time, and they flung him out of their warm gathering space, after which he found himself back in the raft. Hey, whatever. Like, whatever gets you through it. Well, whatever you experienced, you experienced. <laughs> yeah. Not gonna... Not gonna judge you on it. Nope. Not even gonna question it, really. Nope. Hale says that he hadn't talked about them publicly until then because those who he had confided in at the time, including a priest, were uncomfortable with what he said and told him that she, he shouldn't talk about them. God, like you're going to the priest to be like, help me, um, I I feel like this is what happened to me. Oh, don't say that to anybody. Like, that's the bullshit. Priest is, the priest is like, well, it hasn't happened to me, so I can't have it happening to you now, can I? <laughs> it's a fucking ego thing. That's it all, is. That's all it is. He considered it a beautiful experience and was hurt and ashamed at the reaction from those he trusted to tell. That's yeah, awful. of course. That's awful. I, you know, um, I have friends, and she may be listening, um, who ha- who feel that they've had a, a ghost experience. Like, yeah, uh, I have uh, two friends as well. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not my personal belief, but I'm not going to go questioning that because I trust my friends. Yeah. So if that's what it seems like to them, okay, fine. There's no reason for me to doubt yeah, that whatever. or question it or say anything. It's, and ultimately, who knows, you know, about any of this stuff and what causes it. So there's all sorts of weird energies that are a lot are, of weird shit. Uh, mm-hmm. That I mean, just shit we can't completely comprehend and or explain potential parallel universes so fourth dimensions yeah. like god knows like yeah. well except there's no god but other than that, well we don't know that either <laughs> it's true i do identify as agnostic but, but there's also <laughs> there's also yeah, there's those also who identify like, as what's where's my next meal yeah. <laughs> which is demetrius yes <laughs> constantly Hale vaguely remembers his rescue where he screamed, I love you guys, repeatedly as mm. his rescuers. It's so sweet. As well as his transportation to an ambulance, which in turn took him to a hospital. He also remembers a priest offering him last rites, nurses mm. whispering to themselves about how blue he was, and that doctors kept assuring him that he would live, but he did not think they sounded like they believed it. Yeah. Hale said, oh, you gotta at least sell it to the guy, sure, you yeah. know? If you're gonna say bit. it, sell it. But Sometimes it, like, takes a person's will to, like, push them through, so sell it. 
Demetrius. Is he actually trying to reach the doorknob? He might he, be. He's, he is reaching the doorknob. He's trying to get in the room. He already knows how. You think he puts it together that he can, like, he's, he's just it. trying to open the doorknob? He's done it before. No, he's pushed yeah. open the door. He's not yeah, manipulated he's, the doorknob. He's, whatever. He's figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. He knows there's a way to get into this room. Yes, yes, he does. He does know that. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Hale said that it was only when the last rites were administered that he realized how serious his situation was thought to be. He had assumed from the moment that the Coast Guard found him that he would be alright, and it scared him to realize that despite being on dry land and in a hospital, he might still die. That would yeah, suck. It would. Because <clears throat> it's, like, like, it's like you made it through all that. Like, why didn't I just to... fucking give up then if I'm gonna yeah. die anyway, you yeah. know? So, yeah, I would be like, fuck yeah, I'm surviving. I'm not going through all that shit and dying. He did survive, but with severe frostbite and vascular damage to his legs and minor nerve damage to one of his hands from the way he had laid in the life raft. He later needed surgery on his feet due to loss of mobility in the joints of his toes. While in the hospital, he read newspaper articles about the sinking and watched news reports and was distressed that the focus was on his survival not on the men who had not been found yet. There are 29 people on board, and two of the 28 bodies were not found. Yeah. He repeatedly asked about the search effort, resigning himself to the reality that no one else had lived around his fifth day in the hospital. The following day, several executives from the Bethlehem Transportation Corporation and officers from the Coast Guard questioned Hale about the sinking. (laughs) Demetrius! And he described what he saw and experienced and gave them the order in which the shipmates he had encountered that night had died. Wow. Mm. He considered himself, quote, in love with everyone I spoke to, end quote, although one moment made him angry. Yeah, he was probably just kind of on the high of, I'm still alive. Sure. One of the men asked him if he had taken his sailing papers with him when he left the moral. Hale asked if they knew what he was wearing when he was found. They said they did. Quote, then, where do you think I shoved them? <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. Like, what? Like, like what is of, that? What the, what's the a, point there? Kind of no need to get technical at this point. Yeah. Like, guy's alive. That's all that matters. Plus, when there's an emergency, it, it is specifically taught. You yeah. don't grab anything. No, you just get the fuck out. Exactly. And, I mean, I understand him grabbing his peacoat just for sure. literal survival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 40-some degrees outside. No, it's 30-some degrees, but 40-some degrees. Oh, in the water. That's Mm -hmm. right. The water is warmer. Mm -hmm. It is theorized that Hale survived because he was a heavier individual who could withstand the massive weight loss that happened over the two-day period, as well as, ironically, the fact that he was not as warmly dressed as some of the others. Huh. Since he had been woken up by the chaos and was only wearing boxer shorts, he wasn't weighed down by the heaviness of frozen pants. Oh, sure. He had also thrown on his life jacket before the peacoat, which helped the jacket stay on, oh wow, as well as helped insulate his heart and lungs. He consciously did not urinate for over 24 hours for fear of losing heat. Okay. Okay, now that's the most remarkable thing I've heard, because you know how much I pee, so. Yeah, again. (laughs) <laughs> Way too much insight. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> and, of course, he did not eat the ice on his peacoat. Later, when Hale returned to Ohio, his friend Harvey called him, the friend who had not returned to the moral that year. 
He told Hale that when he heard there was a survivor, he rejoiced because, quote, I knew if anyone had made it, it would have been you, end quote. That's wild. That's crazy. Another, quote, survivor was 61-year-old Hjalmar Edwards, who developed pneumonia on the Morals trip downboard from Minnesota to New York and was transferred to a hospital in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. Sault Ste. Marie. Oh, I thought it was Sault Ste. Marie. Sault Ste. Marie. Sault. Okay. Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, when the ship went through the Sioux locks. It was intended for him to rejoin the moral when she returned upbound, but she sank prior to that point, and he had still been in the hospital anyway. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, at least he, like, pneumonia <laughs> kind of saved his life. <laughs> so the aftermath. The cause of the sinking was found to be the storm, as several other vessels reported conditions similar to or identical to Hale's testimony. When the wreck of the moral was was surveyed, it was determined to be in just over 200 feet of water north of Port Austin, Michigan, the tip of the thumb of the Lower Peninsula, with the bow and stern approximately five miles or eight kilometers apart. Jeez. That's, yeah. That's very far. Yeah. It was determined conclusively at this point what Dennis Hill had told them that the second ship that the crew at the bow of the Moral thought they had seen was actually the stern half. That's fucking crazy. But it yeah, is, but yes. I mean, as the ship had already broken apart in the back half man. of the ship continued to barrel forward, quote, like a great wounded beast with its head shot off, end quote, according to Great Lakes writer William Radigan. Okay. That's that's wild. That's an interesting description. <laughs> yeah, well, I will take it. Like chicken with its head cut off sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. The stern half of the ship was found in 1967, the year after the sinking, and the bow was not found until 1979. Jeez. So this is a quote from shipwreckexplorers.com. I'm describing the wreck. The ship sits upright and intact. The stern part ended up floating over four miles past the bow part. That's, that's so insane. I know. These are two separate dive sites. The bow can be reached at 130 feet or 40 meters, but both the bow and the stern sit on the bottom at about 200 feet, 61 meters. The signature feathers on the bow are the features. <laughs> it's like, what, what are feathers. feathers on that? The signature, I thought it was a nautical term. Eh, whatever. The signature features on the bow are the mast, intact cabin, mushroom anchors, and a long swim to where the ship broke in half. The stern offers just about everything to see as when it went down. Lifeboats on the side, dishes in the galley, life ring down the stairs, an accessible engine room with gauges and machinery for the very experienced and trained divers. The double wheel and smokestack are featuring the top of the deck. That That's is the end of that quote. Yeah, and being, uh, I, I would never want to, I don't think I want to dive at this point. There was a point in my life where I yeah. was like, but at this point I'm like, eh, I'll let somebody else do that. Yeah. But uh, it must be pretty fucking cool to... I, I will say it's not without its attraction. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. To be like, oh, this is the this is the shipwreck from, from yeah. 13 years ago, yeah. and now I'm finding, like, that's got to be... Diving wrecks would be really interesting. And if you're in the Great Lakes, you've got... They're all 6, over the place. 6,000 plus, yeah. yeah. fucking all over the place. The thing in, is, in 50 feet of water, in 200 feet of water, and 1,000 feet of water. Yeah. They're, they're everywhere. The thing I just think of is what, like, a nice little habitat that is for all sorts of creepy, creepy creatures in the water. Like, I still, <laughs> I still remember. I was only, like, 10 years old when 
we finally discovered the Titanic, like had our first pictures of it. And it was Mm -hmm. at that point, this was like 87, I think they found it. Like finally found it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was 75, it was on the bottom of the ocean for 75 years. Mm -hmm. I remember how big of a deal that was. Yeah. well, we that, found it. This is yeah, the Titanic. Finally yeah. found something that can get down this far. Do you remember uh, James Cameron made a whole submersible thing? Yes, he did. He still does so that. that. Yes, he, he still does? Yes. Oh, wow. It's like, it's like, well, I guess if you're going to invest in that, you might as well use it. <laughs> yeah, and he and he actually goes down in it. Like, That's he's not... Right. Oh, no, he. I remember seeing, like, an Entertainment Tonight or something yeah. showing guy's him fucking, doing it. The guy's fucking nuts. Well, he is James Cameron. Yeah, but he's also... <laughs> but he's, like, uh, like, genius nuts. Like... I don't want to be around the guy, but he's doing cool shit for the rest of society. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Despite seeking shelter from the storm, the gale would also end the career of the Edward Y. Townsend, the sister ship of the Moral, who had been traveling with her. While the Townsend finally reached Minnesota, it was... When when it finally reached Minnesota, it was discovered that her hull had a severe crack in it. Oh, jeez. She was docked for a little under two years before being sold to scrap... For scrap to a company. Yeah, mm-hmm. if your hull is compromised, yeah. it's like a crack in the engine, right? <laughs> well, it's it's not salvageable. Well, it's not safe to take it, it yes. back out. Uh, right, exactly. It is salvageable. Yes, it's only that, salvageable. That's it's, that's its only worth at that point. You know, like Grimace when when Grimace died, <laughs> it was like Grimace yeah. not being the beloved McDonald's character, but yes. rather your vehicle. My my SUV that was purple. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's all I could afford, but whatever. But he died a pretty bad death, and all all, yes. all, all he was worth was scrap metal. <laughs> Somebody paid me $500 for it, I was like, I'll take it. That's, a, that's money. <laughs> While being towed across the Atlantic Ocean near Newfoundland, the Townsend and her tow encountered another storm, and the Townsend broke free of the tugboat and, like the moral, split into two Jesus, and sank. Yeah. It was said that this was, quote, not an uncommon fate of ships built before 1948. Well, because oh, they're, at this deal. point, they're that's just, the amount of stress that goes, like, this is why, like, when you watch shit, like, with, not with modern day ships, what mm-hmm. it's like for them to go to, through a hurricane, mm-hmm. it's tense and stressful as fuck. Now imagine being 600 years ago and going through that in, like, a wooden oh ship, and some of them made it. Not very many. Yeah, I was going to say probably not very, very few. Not, not very many, <laughs> but like some of them did. And it's like, I, it's like, no, no, not at all. Yeah. Like the, the power of water. I'm, well, Oh, we, I know. We use water literally to, to power, power things. things. Yes. To generate power. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yep, absolutely. Like it's not a fucking joke. Like it's really no. not. It's killed. No. Almost as many people have, as, as God has killed. Water. <laughs> well, you That's know, such it, an impossible number. No, but it's like it's like in the name of in the name of God, I will kill you. It's like water is like <laughs> close to that, you know. Uh, the, yeah. The, oh, I I messed it up. The, the it's the old Carlin joke. More people have been killed in the name of God than for oh, any other oh, reason. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Like water is kind of close. Water might be second. Maybe it's hard to rank. <laughs> and it does it on purpose because it's water. No, it doesn't do anything on purpose because it's not sentient. It's like, like you will feel my wrath. It's not sentient. I think it might be. Anyway. So we shouldn't drink it, then, is what you're saying. (laughs) Turn out like like that movie, The Stuff. (laughs) That must be why every time I drink water, I hear a a tiny scream going down my throat. Uh, It's it's revenge. (laughs) 
I probably shouldn't stack things up on that copier, no, huh? Probably not. It's like... <laughs> My mom used to complain about how I kept things in, like, piles. And, uh... Piles burn sometimes. I think I still do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. You should probably stop doing that. <laughs> As we learned in our Woodstock 99 episode. Piles. This is not... These are not... <laughs> no, I know. Oh my goodness, this is a room full of books. You know, those it's are... paper. Exactly. Yeah. But they're not in piles. No, but paper burns. I'm, what I'm saying is those <laughs> piles will not kill us any faster than the books. Anyway, Dennis Hale struggled with survivor's guilt for years and until the end of his life insisted he was not a hero, although many considered him one. He considered himself a man who was put into a situation and just had to survive it. He was resented by family members of other crewmen, even That's... ones that had previously been friends. He had previously been friends with, yeah. and was told by several not to come around or call them. That's so sad. But it's it's, it's grief. It is, it's... and it's people not. It's people not knowing how to deal with a loss, which yeah. is which is understandable. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's I mean that's. But it didn't help him any. I'm no, sure. it's an understandable so thing, but that unfortunately that kind yeah. of thing is going to happen too. Yeah. While he understood, this also devastated him as he viewed the crew of the moral as and their family as families of his own. His marriage also crumbled in the years following the loss of the moral, as Hale grew more deeply religious and his wife was not a religious person. This had not initially been a problem in their marriage, but following the sinking, that difference and Hale's increased use of marijuana and alcohol gra- gradually drove the couple apart. Man, that would be rough. Like, I can understand that being the spouse of a survivor, you just have to be like, whatever they're doing to cope. Especially back then. But, like, this is back in the 60s or whatever. But, like, now I would sure hope people would just be like, honey, we need to get you help. Hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. But what help was available in, like, 1966? Not uh, Certainly not what we've got now. No. So... Hale remained quiet about the sinking of the moral for years. The sinking of sure, the Sure, I mean, why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to start it's like, like, it's like, bringing that up constantly. Yeah, it's, like, it's like asking a Vietnam man, oh, tell me about the war. Like, Yeah, regale me yeah, with your story. Like, yeah. That's, you know, <laughs> right? It's like you don't ask people about that shit. I no, mean, you, you just no, don't. no. The sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald nine years later traumatized him all over again as he was able to, perhaps more than anyone else alive, relate to what the crew had gone through yeah. in their final moments. He was the only one that knew anything that yeah. happened. He said in his book that it took him years to come to terms with the Fitzgerald sinking because it reminded him so much of the moral, and he initially refused to process it or think about it. Well, th- we've, we've done a parallel of that in a previous episode. Remember our very first, um, uh, the goalie that has... Mm-hmm. Throat slit. It was a... A Clint Malarchik. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, when another player that happened to yes. him almost 20 years later... It, it sent him into an absolute tailspin. Yes, again. It re-traumatized him. Yep. And even though the player wasn't hurt nearly as bad as no, he, he was. No, was, he was okay and yeah. Yeah, recovered quicker. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't... We don't understand the brain at all. No. Like, we really don't. The last frontier, right? Yeah. I mean, we have... Aside from space. We have 2% understanding, like, at best. Right. So... Yeah. Yeah. And and not everybody would react this way either. No. No, people. And you would not know how you'd react until you're in this situation. Exactly. Yep. 
that's why I, I think the best for those of us who haven't been through whatever specific I, I thing. Th- I think empathy is the best way exactly. to go. Exactly. Empathy and whatever is getting you through it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's healthy. If it's not, it's still kind of understandable. Number one thing, no judgment. Yeah. Like it, it just, it is what it is. And what can we do to help? You know. He said in his book that it took him years to come to terms with the Fitzgeralds. Oh, sorry, I said that. Around 1990, he decided that he wanted to break his silence and actively devote the rest of his life to making sure that his crewmates, who are family to him, would be remembered. The moral had no folk song, no cult following. Hmm. In fact, half a century later, an article by TwinCities.com was published entitled, quote, 50 years ago, one man survived the Great Lakes shipwreck you've never heard of, hmm. A quarter century after the sinking in 1991, reporter Ralph Polovich secured an interview with Hale. Polovich brought with him a copy of the photo that was taken of the helicopter hovering over Morrill's life craft. And it was apparently, life raft, sorry. And it was apparently the first time in decades that Hale had seen the photo of his own rescue. He stared at it silently for, quote, four or five minutes, end quote, before saying, quote, thank you for bringing that, end quote. He would always say when speaking about the tragedy that he hoped that his survival would give, quote, people a little hope in life. Sure. That's very sweet. He also advocated for increased safety measures within the Great Lakes shipping industry and the increased maintenance of both ships and lighthouses. Yeah, like, um, don't uh, send out a ship with a cracked hull. Mm Mm-hmm. That'd, that'd be, That's a uh, good start. That'd be a yeah. That'd be a good place to start. I this mean, this Dennis Hill around 2006 with a photograph of his rescue. That's crazy. Oh, man, that's. <clears throat> I mean, huh. even I mean even on the Great Lakes in certain places because it is huge. Mm-hmm. You're in the fucking middle of nowhere, and mm-hmm. if somebody comes, if somebody comes and gets you at all. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just, like, a miracle in itself. Right? Like, it really is. And he ran aground. That's the only reason he <laughs> yeah. even made it. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, he wouldn't have lasted if he was just out in the water. No. I mean... Unless they spotted him. Yeah. So, a side note. The Arthur M. Anderson, who reported the Edmund Fitzgerald missing and whose crew had the fate of the Daniel J. Morrill fresh in their minds as they led the Fitzgerald search party, is still in service to get today, 69 years Good. after her launch in 1952. She is 10 years younger than the oldest Laker still in service, the Alpina. Captain Bernie Cooper once spoke the following of his vessel, which has survived some of the worst weather ever reported on the Great Lakes. Quote, A couple of those seas that came across buried my entire deck in 12 feet of water. That old girl, the Anderson, she came out shaking like a dog, shaking water off, water flying all over. I never gave it a thought. We had a good ship under us. Hmm. That's kind of sweet. The Anderson went into long-term layup at the end of the 2016 season for refitting and for repairs associated with long-term use. Yeah, no joke, long-term. It was not her first layup, but likely has been her longest. She re-entered service in 2019 and is still one of the most popular and beloved vessels for Great Lakes boat watchers. She rarely fails to draw a crowd when she passes by the popular boat watching spots, no matter the time of the day or the week. And this is Nicole's own picture of Arthur and Anderson from 2021. Nice. That's very cool. Very cool. Seem, I, I mean, again, I've seen plenty of these type of ships too. I mean, they're they're very cool. They are. Mm-hmm. 
and, and again, the photo just doesn't do it justice of how fucking big they mm-hmm. are. They're huge. Dennis Hale, born January 23rd, 1940, died September 2nd, 2015, after a battle with cancer at age 75. I was going to say, but he, yeah. He survived 49 years after the sinking of the Daniel J. Morrill. According to his obituary, he was a U.S. Army veteran and founder of the Ashtabula, which is in Ohio, Lighthouse Restoration and Preservation Society. He was survived by his wife, who he married in 2002, Two daughters, two stepchildren, seven grandchildren, and a great-grandchild. Nice. The men on board the Daniel J. Morrill when she sank were the following. Norman M. Bragg of Niagara Falls, New York. Mm -hmm. Stuart A. Campbell of Marinette, Wisconsin. John J. Cleary, Jr. of Cleveland, Ohio. Arthur I. Crawley of Rocky River, Ohio. George A. Dahl of Duluth, Minnesota. Larry G. Davis of Toledo, Ohio. Arthur S. Fargo of Ashtabula, Ohio. Charles H. Fossbender of St. Clair, Michigan, Severio Grippy of Eshtabula, Ohio, John M. Grow of Erie, Pennsylvania, Nicholas P. Holmick of Hudson, Pennsylvania, <clears throat> Philip E. Capitz of Ironwood, Michigan, Chester, I apologize if I get this wrong, Konichka of Hamburg, New York, Dun- oh, okay. right you know where Hamburg bu- is? Right outside of Buffalo. Oh, okay. Duncan R. McLeod of Gloucester, Mass., Massachusetts. All right. Uh, Joseph A. Massam of Duluth, Minnesota, Valmore Marchildon of Kenmore, New York, Ernest G. Marcotte of Waterford, Michigan, Alfred G. Norkunas of Superior, Wisconsin, David L. Price of Cleveland, Ohio, Henry Rishmiller of Williamsville, New York, Stanley J. Satlawa of Buffalo, New York, John H. Schmidt of Toledo, Ohio, Charles J. Ses- Dowskus of Buffalo, New York. Wilson E. Simpson of Albemarle, North Carolina. Oh, That's an okay. outlier, huh? Yeah. Arthur e. Stojic- it's out on the ocean, though. It, it, it yeah. is, yeah. Arthur E. Stojic of Buffalo, New York. Leon R. Truman of Toledo, Ohio. Albert P. Wymey of Knife River, Minnesota. Donald E. Worcester of Columbia, Maine. And Dennis Hale of Rock Creek, Ohio. Hmm. Every November 10th at the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum in Whitefish Point, Michigan, is the Edmund Fitzgerald Memorial Ceremony, where family members gather. There are speakers, and the bell is rung 30 times. One time for each of the lost men on the Fitzgerald. And then the 30th ring is for all the other sailors who have been lost to the Great Lakes. That 30th ring is in part for the lost crew of the Moral. Almost the same number of people died. Yep. I will close this script with a poem written about the sinking, which Dennis Hale shared at the start of his book, with Demetrius crying in the background. All night the wind raged viciously around Lake Huron's shore. It hurled the snow in piled-up drifts and hammered at our door. It felled the power poles and broke their wires by which we live. In modern comfort, all alone, it made up primitive. This night no radio voice came in, nor phone call could go out. The wild wind taught us violently what winter's all about. Our candles guttered in the drafts on electric blankets spilled, the congealed wax on its thin nap where we lay, huddled, chilled. Within the lulls of shrieking wind, faint whistles came from ships, off course and blinded by the snow with all that force at grips. At some time when we shivered cold, a doomed ship ship staggered by, The Daniel J. Morrill out there was readying to die. 600 feet of tortured steel proved not by 60 years was breaking like the seas around, no time to send up flares. 
No time to call the nearby shore, scarce time to launch the boats, scant time to lift and drop the rafts or pull on heavy coats. And some got off and some were left, the difference it was slight, for only one lived through it all that murderous bitter night. Just one was spared to tell the tale of how she broke in two, just one to live by fate was picked of all the morals crew. Just one was saved on one small raft part sheltered by the dead. He lay and clung with frozen hands, scarce feeling left from dread. Mm. And that was the story of the sinking of the Daniel J. Morrill. Well done, Nicole. Very much so. Thank you very much again. Yeah, shipwrecks are... uh... (laughs) I love how every type of disaster, we end up going, oh, you know, crowd disasters, they're the worst. Oh, man, fires, they're the... Oh, man, you know, plane crashes. Like, they're 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 all horrible in their own unique, terrible way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, shipwreck is... They kind of capture that a little bit in the Titanic, which I appreciated, the the movie, mm-hmm. the, your favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Um, to be like, no, the, the ship is sinking. We're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and nobody's coming to get us. Yeah. Like, that's that's got to be fucking terrifying. Yeah. You know? The ocean is fucking terrifying. It is. <laughs> it's it fucking very much is. is. It absolutely is. And, like, that's my... I mean, I know, like, modern planes and whatever. That's, like, kind of something I have a little bit of a fear of whenever I take my first, like, transatlantic flight, which hasn't happened yet. Like, the idea of flying Those over that get me over. ocean. <laughs> yeah. Not that. Not, okay. like, being concerned, like, is the plane airworthy or whatever, but more just... And we're in much better times now that if your plane dropped in the ocean, people would beat you a lot faster than, you know, even back in 1966. But it's still well, that's, that's, scary that's, that's, and terrifying. Let's not, not think about that. <laughs> now you're officially never going to Europe, are you? <laughs> no, I am. I, 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 yeah, I need to. Well, I mean, I kind of feel this, uh, felt the same way flying across country from here to Las Vegas because mm-hmm. we did that on one trip. Yeah, we did. It was a direct flight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like, but it's almost like okay, I'm in it for four and a half hours, like so, and now I'm like. After that, pretty much, and since then, I'm like, yeah, I'm a direct flight. I don't care if it costs a oh, lot extra know. money. I know. Direct flights are totally It's so weird. much better. If available. And yeah. they're less and, they're, and less available yeah, now. Yeah, not available that much. And they all it's, cost a trillion yeah. dollars. It's funny. I can take it from here. I can take a direct flight to Paris, mm-hmm. but not to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's, it's, I have no idea how any of it works. It, it's, <laughs> it's politics. It's sales. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of things. Knows, yeah. mm-hmm. It's a lot of things. Yeah. But well done, Nicole. As usual, per use, we expect nothing less because that's it's always fabulous. Well, what we do expect from our listeners are good scripts because they deliver every time. Yes, absolutely. Every time. If you would like to submit a script, all you have to do is email it to us, allbadthingspod at gmail.com. We will use it eventually. Eventually. We cannot guarantee the timeline, <laughs> but we shall. It might be two years. It could be. That that's has wh- happened. That's why we use the word eventually. Yes. Because eventually it doesn't have a time stuck to it. It's oh, by eventually. the way, um, Mick, who did last week's oh, okay, script, yeah, yeah. said that it, it was very generous and said we did pretty good with the German pronunciation. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Mick, you're being nice. You're being nice. I can tell. Yeah. But thank you for being nice. Mick. Yes. That's very sweet. And again, uh, 
Thank you for anybody who wants to send us a script. Oh my goodness, yes. Because, you know, one of the, like, genuinely, it's what got us through multiple tax seasons when I was a preparer. And, like, you know, like, right now, there's just a lot of shit going on. And it's really hard for me to keep up with just the stuff that I have to do. Because, like, work and and school and stuff. Um, Let alone, like, anything extracurricular. So it is so helpful to have this Absolutely. little backup of, or not even backup, where we'll do them regardless. Yes, we but will. But it is so, this is why I hoard them. Because yes. <laughs> I want them for these times, because they're so helpful, like beyond helpful. So thank you, everybody who, um, who uh, contributes scripts. Uh, that being said, please don't ever feel. Like you must. It's it should be enjoyable. We want it for whoever enjoys doing it. That's Absolutely. The thing. Absolutely. Well, on that note, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you found it upside down with such little font. I was I was going to read tonight, but because yes, it was. And I have my glasses on. I'm, I was just, you're like, well, look at this font. And I'm like, nope, not reading that. It's too small. Are you farsighted? Do you see better distances than you do up close? Or? I just don't see this very well. Okay. That, that was for sure. Okay. That's why Stephen's scripts are good for you because Stephen likes to write in large font, yes. which is perfect for you. Yes. So, yes, if you want me to read a <laughs> script specifically, put it in large yes. font. <laughs> If it's 20 pages, that's still fine. That could be our little signal of how we know who you want to read it. If it's in small, tiny font in gray, we know that it's a Rachel script. Yeah. If it's in giant font in, like, bold black, yes. <laughs> which nobody does, but yes. I'm just saying. But if you did, that'd be fine, because <laughs> I would be read fine it. fine with it. Yes. So anyway, <laughs> after all that, but after all this, once again, thank you very much, Nicole. So that was the story of the sinking of the Daniel J. Morrell. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. <laughs> I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. You said morale. I did. <laughs> <laughs>